on LBC. Morning, everybody. Oh, dear, is it really me for 73 million? Is it really me? I shouldn't think so. But somebody somewhere is either on holiday and they're thinking about it. I did did fantasise the other day. I did think to myself that I could have won 73 million. So I've started going through all the different estate agents' housing lists and I found a nice little place at Hyde Park. It's got eight bedrooms, seven bathrooms, nice, not a huge garden, but an indoor uh, sort of atrium thing, and they want, they want 9.7 million. And I thought, if you won 73 million, I'd buy that. I'd, I'd buy time of life. I'd definitely buy that and invite uh, Fern Britton round all the time and Robert Webb, two excellent guests for In Conversation. You can download them on the LBC website. And we take all your texts and emails this morning, 84850stevedlbc.co.uk. So <coughs> I get something the other day, uh, which, of course, is absolutely hilarious. And it's, uh, where is it? That's right. It was a fake email from Apple ID. Now, loads of people get these things, but it would be quite easy to think that this was genuine. Quite easy. It says, uh, you, are, you will be, un- well, first of all, they actually say, uh, your iCloud and Apple account stevedlbc.co.uk, which, of course, I don't have an Apple or iCloud at this address, has been temporarily suspended until we can verify your Apple account details. This is a security measure to secure your Apple ID from unapproved access. Well, nobody would know my ID at all. I can barely remember it myself. So the chance of finding it again. It says you will be unable to use iCloud Sync Backup or the iTunes and Application Store. And then what you have to do, you have to verify your Apple ID. Well, you know it's fake. And the reason you know it's fake, when, it, when you click on to the Verify My Apple ID, uh, it takes you to a page where you put in... So I, I just put something rude in there, and it takes you to the next page. What they're looking for, and I can't believe that people would be this daft, but they are, they're looking for your bank account details, your sort code, your bank password, as if you're really going to do this. But then I suddenly realise, of course, you are. You are doing this. Because every day on the streets of London, and I saw it yesterday in Twickenham, the chuggers. As I prefer to call it, if you approach me anymore, I'm going to lay you out. All right? Don't follow me, you nasty little piece of work. So the chuggers, hello, you got two minutes? I have, mate. I'll hold your head under a barrel of water. That's how long I've got. And they, they bump it. Do you know what they look at? No, we don't want any money. We don't want any money. That's their latest trick. And what do you hand over? You hand over your phone number to them. How stupid do you have to be? How dumb do you have to be for the child? I watched some perfectly normal... I wanted to go up to them and go, you're giving a perfect stranger your phone number? What are you, stupid? Why on earth would you do that? They're going to target you. You're going to go onto a database and you will be inundated. And sometimes if you open up these uh, these texts that they send you, it's going to cost you money. Why you would get... It's like if I, you know, came up to you in the street, admittedly maybe I'm not a very good example, and said, oh, excuse me, can I have your bank account details? You'd quite rightly be going, don't be so silly, Steve. We're not going to give you our bank account details. Why would we? I'd say, well, you give a perfect stranger your phone number. That's what they say. We don't want any money from you, but, but you, you can help starving chickens in Afghanistan or something. And you go, oh, lovely. Would you like to save a gay whale? Yeah, that'd be great. I'll save a gay Can you give us your phone number? Yeah, of course I can. Dumbos, without realising you've given it to a perfect stranger. Because they're standing there in a plastic jacket with, you know, save gay whales on the back of it. Why do you assume that they're trustworthy? Why would you go anywhere near these people? I don't know how they're allowed to get away with it. I mean, in front of the police. They step in front of you. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. You're a beggar. 
Get out of the way. You want to give to a charity? Give direct to a charity. Don't do it by the... They're making ten quid an hour. They're making more money than the poor saps working, being I'm barista. They're making more money than them. Never, ever give to chuggers. I've told you before, if you really want to be that dumb, give to chuggers. But if you don't, don't, please. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Another one here. Uh, this is for... I'll tell you what, I, I was wrong the other day. For the first time in my life, I actually got something wrong. I never get things wrong. Never, ever. I am Mary Poppins. I am practically perfect in every way. And and uh, a spoonful of sugar helps thee. And um, uh, an apple a day and all this kind of... And Jim Chimney, Jim Chimney, high on a hill was that? And I'm there. I am that person. I got it wrong. I thought it was Max Clifford. And the reason I thought Max Clifford was only going to get two, two and a half years is because I'd spoken to a couple of barristers... All the barristers were saying, because it was this crime and it wasn't that crime. And, and I thought two and a half years. I spoke to a, a, a policeman the other day in Twickenham. And he said, he said, we were both wrong. He said, all the people at the station were saying the same. Two and a half years. Eight years. I spoke to um, a person who knows Max Clifford very well. Because now, there's apparently more people come forward. But they had that with the Stuart Hall case, if you remember. Stuart Hall was charged... Uh, with these indecent assaults, and he went to prison, and then more people came out, because he originally got 18 months, I think, and we were saying, 18, how is that possible? Max Clifford, eight years, they're quite clearly making an example of him. To be honest with you, I don't know whether he's going to appeal or not appeal. Uh, I would assume his barrister has said he's going to appeal. Some of the papers have suggested today that he could lose his house. I don't think so, he's just remortgaged it. He's remortgaged for three and a half million, we were told in the papers the other day. So that, that he'll, you know, how, how can they take his house? Technically, he doesn't own it. It's owned by the building society. He's got the three and a half million. What he's done with that, I've got no idea. But I'm assuming that they must have hedged their bets, mustn't they? Any money transfer to, uh, to somebody else's account. That's what they would do, so nobody can touch it. He's 71. Do you think he's going to do eight years? No. If, if he doesn't appeal and he stays for the, for the course, he'll, he'll probably do two and a half, three years, I would think. Something like that. But it depends whether the other people... And there's still other people waiting to go into court. It's an absolute catalogue of people at the moment. An absolute catalogue of people. But I, I didn't see eight years coming. I really didn't. And neither did anybody else. I think we actually spoke to, uh, to barristers on LBC and they weren't saying... And nobody, nobody did that one at all, I'm afraid. Nobody did that one at all. So, 73 million. Ooh, 73 million. What would you do with it? You'd have a very, very good bank holiday Monday, wouldn't you? Unfortunately, today, I, I'm so glad that you can't see what I look like. Because I went to the rugby yesterday. That's, that's not the truth. I went to the Balmy Arms yesterday, and I stood there in the blazing sunshine without realising, because uh, I saw Hillary and Alec down there, and uh, their children, Ian and Sophie, were working the barbecue, and Sophie got her shoulders burnt. And I'm standing there with no hat on, saying, you're going to be red raw tomorrow. It wasn't until I got in, I suddenly realised the sun was so strong, I had my sunglasses on, I looked like a panda. I looked distinctly like Chi-Chi. I am a panda today. And also, the top of my head is like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. It's, it's burning. I mean, by the time Kay and Stig get in, I'm going to have to turn the lights down. I don't want them to think I'm doing an impression of a Belisha Beacon. You know, so I'm going to sit here and try and be all casual. I have to bring the blinds down and everything. I might sit here with a veil on. I haven't quite worked out exactly how this is going to happen, but I decided... Anyway, the Army and Navy were in Twickenham. Everybody very good-natured. You know why? They'd been threatened a few times ago. They said, listen, if you are caught, you know, by, by the Red Caps, 
they're seriously going to do you big time. So nobody messes about. They were all terribly well behaved. People had their drinks. A lot of people dressed as Mexicans. Quite get the Mexican theme yesterday. Arriba. They were all being very good about it, and it was it was wonderful. Somebody says chuggers should be made illegal. Well, it's begging, isn't it? It's absolute begging, and and that's 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 all it is. They jump in front of people, unsuspecting people. I mean, to be honest with you, you're quite entitled to run them over, as far as I'm concerned, with your pram. You know, hello. Have you got two minutes? You have a nice day, and you think. I really hate you. I don't think I've hated anybody as much as chuggers on the streets of London. I really, I don't, um, I don't actually see any purpose to them at all, I'm afraid. Uh, 8485, Christo had a, had a, a text earlier on. Did he read his text out? Does he have vile text of the morning? I think it should have a little jingle. Vile text of the morning. And it was somebody who quite clearly, they were obviously very lonely and didn't have any friends. Because, you know, it's funny. I said, I said to Christo a while ago, I said, people who love you listen to the programme. People who hate you listen all the time because they're lonely. They don't have anything else in their life. They don't have any friends. They don't have anything at all. So they, so they have to write to him, hoping that he might sort of notice who they are. But nobody knows them. They, they fall un, under the radar and they're very, they're, they, they do have illnesses, many of them. And spots and, and smell and stuff like that. They're, really, they're, really, they're quite awful. Sort of people you avoid. You know, it is OK. Uh, front pages of the papers. We will go through today. We will go through them. There's some interesting things. Uh, I was right. Prince Harry uh, goes to Guy Pelly's wedding, which, according to the papers, was organised by David Beckham. I, wouldn't, uh, I wasn't, wouldn't imagine that David Beckham could organise anything at all. I don't think, he's, don't think he's got the capability, I'm afraid. It's a company that he knows who organised it. They got him into, a, into this hotel, which apparently Guy Pelly couldn't manage by himself. I'm sorry, I'm bringing the future King of England with me. What do you mean we can't get in? Don't be so stupid. You don't need to contact David Beckham for anything like that. There are places that the royal family get into that David Beckham wouldn't get within shouting distance of. So that was quite interesting. And then somebody gate-crashed it. Some woman who's a big fan of, of William, and she managed to break into this wedding. She managed to get in there. And you think, obviously security wasn't paramount, I'm afraid. And uh, Race Storm Top Gear host Jeremy Clarkson... He, uh, he apparently has now said, the BBC, if you say one more thing out of line, you're out. Because the man's an idiot. The older he gets, the more stupid he becomes. I don't believe he's a racist. Uh, it's this... So other people had different words to the eeny, meeny, miny, mo thing. Which, I mean, I remember as a child. As a child. But there was another version, something to do with kids and toilet or something. Anyway, whatever it was, uh, he sort of mumbled bumbled his way through it and then it got picked up by the papers then he denied it and then about 10 minutes later he suddenly admitted it um he's a fool and the bbc quite rightly have said because there were calls i remember hearing the calls on friday everybody saying he has to go if they got rid of ron atkinson on itv for actually uh, using the word then why not jeremy clarkson the bbc have now had to say oh we actually take this very very seriously and you think well quite clearly you don't do you? you can get away with murder Get away with murder on the BBC. Coming up, according to an Australian online dating site, most women think men with fast cars are arrogant, insecure and overcompensating. I wonder what you think. It's LBC. It's quarter past six. Nice to be company. It's Sunday morning. It's LBC. I trust you well. The weather yesterday was glorious. It really was good. I hope it didn't rain where you are in the country. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll do it now while I, while I think about it. Just in case... You want to go out a little bit later on and you're sort of thinking, you know, do we take an umbrella? The answer is no. It is a bit chilly. A little bit chilly this morning, but nothing too much to worry about. Uh, dry with sunny spells and then 
hazy. Warm by this afternoon, about 15 degrees. Tonight, dry across the region, long clear spells developing, and a local ground frost possible in the more prone rural locations. It's a bit posh, isn't it? The more prone rural locations. What in God's name does that mean? Minimum eight degrees overnight. And what is it for your bank holiday Monday? Mostly dry, high cloud, feeling warm, maybe some scattered showers, moderate southerly, southerly breezes developing. That's great. A friend of mine, Kasia, is, uh, she's going off to Brighton. She's Polish. She's never been to Brighton before. And she's going to get the train from Hounslow West. And I said, oh, how much is that to Brighton? Thinking it would be about £18 return. £48. That's For- I'm sure you could go to Birmingham for £48. £48, she said, return. I said, you need to check on some other websites. You must better get it cheaper than that. But she's looking, I said, when you, when you go down there, go on the pier. I didn't advise her to have winkles or anything like that, because she's Polish, she might not like it. I said, but you can have a nice cup of coffee, and you could stare out to sea. That's very nice. Take a hat, if it's going to be a hot, sunny day again, which it will by the coast. And so you can get a nice little tan. There'll be people getting up now, going, I think we'll... Tell you what, today we'll go to Southend. Today we'll go to Brighton. Today we'll go to Bournemouth. Anywhere which is easy to access from London. You get in the car, you load it. Come on, kids, come on. In the car. Okay, has everybody been to the toilet? Okay, out the car again. Everybody goes back inside. Everybody goes to the toilet because it's a long journey and there's going to be lots of traffic on the roads. And so you get down there and then do all the stupid things that you want to do. First of all, you try and find a car park which is always interesting. And after that, you then go, OK, right, let's go. Where do we go first, kids? Pier. pier. Kids always want to go to the pier. Unless you go to South End, in which case you want to go to the Peter Pan playground. So get there early, do all the rides. If you're going to go to a theme park today, go early. Don't leave it till the last minute, because everybody else leaves it till the last minute. And then you sit there, getting very short-tempered in traffic jams. Chances are the car will boil over because you forgot to check whether there's any water in it. So you worry about these things. But if you're going to go out today, go out. Go out on the Thames. Go out and sit by a Riverside pub. We were standing outside the Barmy Arms yesterday because it's the, it's the Riverside pub in Twickenham. It is the busiest. They must have had a couple of thousand people, I would think, yesterday. Uh, because you can not just drink in the pub garden, which is very small, but you can go along the riverbank, Riverside there, and it's all been done up by the council. They wait, wait, spent a lot of money uh, doing it all up with trees and benches, and it's lovely, and people feed the pigeons, and they mess everywhere. And so. Anyway, so shoot a pigeon and make everybody happy, or run one over. And, uh, and I said, I was talking to some people, and I said, you know, the odd thing is, when you live in a town which has got the River Thames running through it, you tend to take it for granted. And yet all these soldiers and sailors who are coming down for the Army and Navy stuff, they, it's, to them it's all lovely. They sit there with their feet practically dangling in the water, you know, drinking a pint, watching the river flowing. But, and it's really, it's a very pleasant way to spend an afternoon. But if you live there, you take it for granted. You do not appreciate... It's like London. Every day I walk through bits of London. I walk through Trafalgar Square. I go to the big mainline station. You know, I'm working in London. I'm in London. And I, I, I take it for granted. I take it for granted. I shouldn't do, really, because I like looking at the tourists, some of them, and uh, some are really unattractive. And, and I, like, I like doing the galleries, and today I shall have a nice time. There's nothing I want to buy. I've got nothing, nothing on the agenda to buy for today. I should just sort of take it. I'm definitely wearing a hat, though. I'm definitely not going out without another hat today, because by the time we get to tomorrow, I could get sunstroke. And you wouldn't like me if I get sunstroke. I can be quite awful. I'm quite vile at the best of times, but I get even worse with a bit of sunstroke. So I'm going through the, the papers and Christo's saying, oh, oh, Jordan's on the front page of The Sun because she's pregnant again. And then he says, I mean, I agree, she has no talent whatsoever. I mean, she's quite clearly talentless. That's not her fault. That's just the very nature of the business. And so she's now pregnant with baby number five. He said, but I like her. He said, he said I know Steve Allen doesn't like her. No, I think exactly the same as, as he does. 
I've met her on a couple of occasions. She was just an old drunk some years ago. And I went out into a, into a club, Sugar Reef it was, and she was there with her friends when she was doing the... when she was sort of considered reasonably attractive. This must have been going back a few years, wasn't it? Because, uh, unfortunately, now she just looks bizarre. She looks Botoxed and uh, deeply unattractive. What worries me is the, the husband, little Kieran, who's featured on a porno site already. Doesn't take long, does it? Um, he now has one child with her, and now this is another one. If the marriage goes belly up, which, of course, they generally do with Jordan, does he earn enough money to support his own children? I shouldn't think so. I shouldn't think so. Perhaps she's just collecting a football team. Perhaps she's, she's thinking, you know, let's make this a, a football team. So she's up to, what is it, five now? Five children. And, uh, you know, whilst I love big families, and I'm sure she's absolutely marvellous as a mother, you can't help feeling that with her track record, their marriage is doomed to start with. So does he earn enough money as a plasterer and a part-time stripper to actually pay for his two children? I shouldn't think so. I should. Perhaps he thinks because she's, she's got a bit of cash in the bank that she can actually do it. But the trouble is, I don't think she can afford to do it much longer. She hasn't had a hit anything for ages. She hasn't had a TV programme, hasn't had a book out, she hasn't designed anything, never designed anything. She does, she does nothing at all. Nothing at all, apart from, quite clearly, have another child. Which is, uh, which is a bit sad. Anne wrote to me and says, did you see the story about the reducing length of Susanna Reid's dresses to show more of her legs to boost viewing figures? It's amazing what a pitiful audience will do for that woman, desperate for anything. Well, of course, there's a lovely bit by Kevin O'Sullivan today in the paper. We like Kevin O'Sullivan. He sort of tells it like it is. I tell it like it is. Um, and he talks about uh, how she was poached from the BBC. She was never popular. That was the BBC's publicity machine to tell you that she was popular because they were trying to get her to win strictly. If you remember, they were doing anything, all the lies they were telling. She's the most amazing. She wasn't ever popular. She was not ever popular. And uh, so what they've done, and he's, he's very accurate when he reviews the uh, programme. He says, uh, in a nutshell and encapsulating it, that it's exactly the same as the last programme. It just means a few of the faces have changed. But it was dreary last time. And this, they've done nothing. In fact, their news reporting is even worse than they were last time. They've actually got Andy Peters in Leeds on day one. There's a big house fire and the reporter takes more than an hour to get there. They obviously didn't have anybody on site and they couldn't divert Andy Peters to go and cover it. So he was there spinning a piece of cardboard so somebody could win 50 quid. And you're right, it's very pitiful. And when you get to the stage where they go, oh, perhaps she'll show her legs on screen. Well, that's what it's all about, is it? How sexist. How terribly, terribly sad. Uh, Peaches Geldof, I'm afraid we're still, much to my deep embarrassment, having to talk about her. Still talking about the fact that uh, she wasn't a good mother. Still talking about the fact, because if she'd been a good mother, she wouldn't have taken heroin. If she'd been anything. And a couple of the, a couple of the columnists saying today that, you know, she obviously didn't care for her children at all. Otherwise, why would you have done heroin? You really don't. Nobody forced her into doing it. It's, uh, it's generally for people with no, no will to live, no nothing at all, because you're playing with a loaded gun. And so she knew exactly what she was doing. She probably knew if she had any intelligence, would realise that this thing could kill her. It killed her mother all those years ago. And in fact, it nearly killed her about eight years ago. If you remember, there was another overdose then. You would think the warning bells would be there. If somebody says to you, if you're, if you're an alcoholic, and the doctor says to you, listen... Uh, you've got to stop drinking, because otherwise you're going to be dead at Christmas. Now, you can either carry on drinking and die, in which case nobody cares, or, failing that, you can do something and take your life by both hands and do something about it. If somebody says, listen, you're very fat, 
you've got to cut down on the food you eat, then that's what you do. You see these clinically and morbidly obese people and you feel like saying to them, have you thought about eating more at the salad bar? You know, you should do that because it's, you're going to die. You're going to die. You've got to... And I don't know what it takes now. What is the wake-up call that comes from a, a doctor or a social worker? Or Is it friends telling you, you're too fat, lose weight, you know, you drink too much, you know, you're smoking too much. Smoking, admittedly, in theory, you should be able to stop doing anything to excess if you've got willpower. Now, a lot of people don't have willpower. Quite clearly, some of the people writing to poor old Christo that I was listening to don't have any willpower or any anything. Brain, I think, would be the first thing that they're, they're generally missing. But it keeps them happy, and that's what they've actually got, I'm afraid. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, a shame, really. And um, another one says here, the chuggers resemble the same tactics used by the sellers of Lucky White Heather. The usual standard opening line is, oh, you've got a very kind face, haven't you? Really? Is that what they say? I did see some people selling Lucky Heather or Lucky whatever it was outside um, Selfridges one time. There was a little gang of them. And uh, they just try and force it. No, have that. Lucky, it's lucky. Go away, you fat ugly. Go away. Terrible. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Loving Fern Britain. Yes, everybody loves Fern Britain. Her book's lovely. And, uh, and Robert Webb as well. I did watch... It's going to sound awful, isn't it, on a Sunday morning? I did watch the film Confetti because it's got loads of really good people in it, loads of comedians, and, and it's very clever. And it's about a, a magazine organising... The magazine's called Confetti Weddings. So they've got one couple who are into tennis, so they have a tennis-themed wedding, and then the best one wins the prize. And Robert Webb and his wife-to-be are naturists. So they want a naturist wedding. And unlike some other films where it's all very clever... And everything is hidden. It's not hidden at all. In fact, it couldn't be more blatant if it tried. But it's actually a very funny film. It is actually a very funny film. I loved it to pieces. I watched it three times now. And I remember thinking to myself, this is a very cleverly put together film. It must have cost a small fortune. Uh, Talking of costing a small fortune... Tess Daly, set to be named as the replacement for Bruce Forsyth. Oh, God, I do hope not. I do hope not. She's, She's kind of... She's kind of good as the sidekick. She's not good enough to be main presenter. She's got one of those irritating Bolton accents. You know how irritating you find Vernon Kay? It's kind of doubled with her as well. Because in, in the advert she's doing for L'Oreal, they appear to have softened her voice down. So she doesn't sound like some, some northern girl. And they've obviously softened it a little bit. Because I was listening to it the other day going, that's not the accent we're hearing on the, on the Strictly programme. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Peach's half-sister, a rock to catatonic with shock husband. Uh, more on um, more on her. And it's, you know, her, her children surviving. Of course they will. They won't. They're, they're too young to know anything else. The only time they will start knowing is when they get to 12 or 13 and they start reading the press cuttings and they start realising and they'll sit down with Grandad uh, or their dad and he will try and explain what Mummy did. And that's, and that's as best as it's going to get. But they won't remember anything. They won't remember anything at all of this period because it's just newspaper headlines. It's a great shame, isn't it? I think it's a, a great shame that, um, that sort of people who appear to have everything actually have nothing. They actually have nothing at all. They appear to have, you know, the nice house and they've got this and they've got, you know, a nice car and they've got a nice loving family and yet still they feel the need to stick heroin into them. You know, so that's the only reason that you think to yourself, why would you want to waste your life? 
Why would you want to let your kids grow up without without a mother? Mind you, Paulie Yates couldn't have given us stuff either way, so it probably goes the same, doesn't it, really? Uh, 84850, oh, steve at Um Max Clifford and lots of people. Karen McGiffin is talking about her brush with the boastful big head. Well, there's no doubt about it. He has lots of friends. And as Kelvin McKenzie said on LBC, when he phoned up with a story, they did take them. 99% of the time they took them because he had good stories. He didn't make money out of the uh, out of the people he took advantage of. But as I say, you could probably run through every industry in the world, couldn't you? Pop stars. There must be pop stars sitting there quaking when, you know, you get girls who throw stuff up on stage. They'll do anything for these pop stars. How long before pop stars start being exposed in the newspapers as, uh, as people who prey on, on girls who stand there throwing... I mean, half the girls who follow One Direction, they bend over backwards for a chance of going out with Harry or Louis or Zayn or any of the other people. Of course they would. They're obsessed with them. Absolutely obsessed with them. I don't, I don't quite understand how the obsession works out, but, you know, it surely can't be too long before they start going through, you know, banks or just about anything. Television industry must be rife with people who start as runners and somebody goes, should I come out for a drink? You know, and the next thing is sort of half producing the programme. That's the way I see it anyway. Could be wrong, but... What makes me feel a little bit better about life. Oh, now, why did I save this little bit here? Um, oh, I don't know, actually. There was, I, I, oh, that's right. Well, I must, well, I'll have to tell you in a moment. Uh, because coming up, Robbie Williams has asked James Bond producers to consider him as an next 007 Yeah, right. LBC News time. It's 6.30. With the latest headlines, Peter Ferris. A 13-year-old boy has been charged. Morning, everybody. Sunday morning. Yeah. The weather's going to be nice, yeah. Brighton is going to be busy, yeah. Everybody very excited. You've got a Riverside pub, very excited. Because people are going to go and sit there. There'll be barbecues going on. I think even Pordy's having a barbecue today, aren't you? How many, how many, he's invited the world. Uh, you've invited 49 people. I can't believe it. He's invited me, but I said, I, I go to bed early. They're not kicking off till four o'clock, and it's way over in Clam, which, as you know, is terribly posh. I have to use a passport to get in and out. And so he's having a barbecue. And I thought, no, because I'd have to drive over there, and then it meant you couldn't really have a proper drink. And then you've got to come back anyway, so it's, it's a lot of stress. So I'm hoping he'll, he'll just send me photographs of, uh, of people discre- have, behaving very badly, I suspect. Is Peter going to go, do you think? Oh, has he been invited? Oh, right. <laughs> just as we are not saying anything, actually. could be listening, couldn't he? You never know. But loads of people invited, including my own producer. Now, I don't know if he's working tomorrow, my producer. If he, if he turns up here in a bad state tomorrow, I shall be knocking on your door, young man. Definitely. So, anyway, if you have joined us, 25 to 7. I only mention the time in case you might be thinking of actually getting out of London for the day. And I think it would be a very good idea today. Go down to the coast. Go and have a nice time. Take the kids down there. Take a windbreak. Take a packed lunch. Quick, it, it, it is possible to do all these things. Just go out and buy... Actually, of course, now you don't even need to make a packed lunch. Just go and pick a load of sandwiches up. And, uh, and stick them in the back of the car with some bottles of water, some fruit, and then toddle off to the coast for the day. Sit on the seafront, rent, rent a deck chair, and just look out to sea. A lot of elderly people do that. Not because they haven't got anything else to do, but it's, uh, it's really good. It's really, really good. It's great fun. Absolutely great fun. Uh, see, celebs were out in force for the socialite Lizzie Cundy's 190th birthday. Socialite Lizzie Cundy. Oh, good God in heaven. Apparently, so these are the celebs out in force, OK? I mean, do we have Cher, the Beckhams, Wills? No. Gary and Danielle Lineker. Got a bit low rent on this one, I'm afraid. Claudia Winkleman. Oh, she's mad as a barrel load of frogs, I'm afraid. And then, um, um, 
Sunita and Jackie Sinclair. That was it, was it? That was the best she can manage. Dear, poor old uh, Lizzie Cundy's column in OK magazine is now relegated practically to the back pages. It's a tiny little thing. It's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. A bit like reading Richard Arnold's column. I mean, that's, that's like a press release column. I don't know why they give people columns. Nobody's interested. If they're not watching them on the television, then they're not watching them on anything else. Uh, Louis Walsh was celebrating the other night. Why was he celebrating? Because apparently he's telling friends he will return to the show despite ITV not wanting him. Why would they not want him? Why would, why would ITV not want him? Nobody's interested in what ITV think. You take the Simon Cowell show, he staffs it. You know, he puts people on there that he knows and he wants him on there. They said there's a bit of a clash between ITV and Simon Cowell. Um, I don't know why. If they don't want it, I'm quite sure somebody else will take it. All the good news is that uh, Richard Desmond has offloaded Channel 5 for £450 million. Perhaps they'll get rid of Celebrity Big Brother and any of the other trash programmes they seem to put on there. I wonder why he offloaded it. I wonder why he offloaded it. That's a very interesting one, isn't it? I mean, £450 million, It's gone to, I think, Viacom. And they, I don't know what Viacom do. I just remember... They own MTV, do they? Oh, right, so perhaps it'll go more like that. So, in other words, we won't have trashy celebrities on there sort of doing third-rate, low-rent things. Perhaps they might try and elevate it a little bit. That could be quite a good idea, couldn't it? I think it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely, but you, you never know. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Another one here from, uh, from uh, Richard. He said it's our wedding anniversary today, 23 years. Richard and Sarah, so they're going to Sunny Sholton for a christening. Everybody's going to, um, for christenings today. My friend Anthony's off for a christening today. He said, did you see Peter, uh, Andy Peters, apparent faux pas early in the week? He spun the money wheel and it landed over the 200 mark and definitely in the 300 pound area. Anyway, he happily announced that the contestant had won 200, to which Ben pointed out it seemed uh, that it was 300. He then went over to the wheel and said, look, and definitely moved it into 300 area. It looked like a bit of a cheating to me. Well, I'd anything to save the money. Anything to save the money. Perhaps they didn't want to pay out £300, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Anyway, have a lovely, have a lovely wedding anniversary today. So lots of, lots of pictures later on, which would be very nice indeed. And uh, one here says, um, who's this one from? Oh, this is somebody saying, uh, do you still do your Sunday walk through Regent's Park? Well, we did the other week, because now I've started, um, started and, and this weather, best if you're going to go out for a walk, actually do it early. Actually do it early. You know, because I think that's actually the, uh, the best thing to do. Go early, and then if you go early, then you don't have to get burnt to pieces, which I did yesterday. <sighs> Terrible. Other stories in the papers for today. Who's this? There's a picture of, uh, it's a picture. Oh, it's Carol McGiffin's column. And she's talking about unfair for poor old Jeremy Clarkson. Um, unfortunately, though, he did make a mistake. And if you make a mistake like that, you have to, you have to pay for it, I'm afraid. And if you, you know, he's, he's been told, apparently by, by the BBC, that that's your final warning. I mean, he's made loads of mistakes in the past. Perhaps he thinks, but listen, why should he worry? Why should he worry? You know, he's, he's got loads of money. He's made enough money out of the, out of the programme. Charlie Catchpole is talking today um, about... Uh, it's got a picture of the Good Morning Britain panel, which is a bit sad. It's got uh, a picture of the sport bloke called Sean, a picture of Susanna, uh, a picture of Benjamin Shepherd, and then Charlotte. And on the day one, they had the weather girl going, today it's going to be dull, murky and foggy. 
And, and so she's put, oh, sorry, he's actually put in each person, dull for the sportsman, because let's face it, sport on television is ultimately boring. Murky for Susanna Reid and very foggy for Ben Shepherd, who tries his best, but is, is really always the bridesmaid. Never quite the, uh, the bride. And then they've got the speech bubble out of Charlotte's mouth going, I don't have a nickname yet. The programme is, is, is really going to go the same way as all the other ones, because it doesn't matter who you put on a programme. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got absolutely nothing to do with it. What, what it's got to do with is, is how the programme comes over. And as it's got the same people on there, it's still got Richard Arnold. So what's the difference between Susanna Reid, who I noticed couldn't quite manage to interview him the other day, so I had to give it to Charlotte, who is kind of emerging a little bit better than Susanna Reid. A little bit better. It's not, you know, it's not her fault. Uh, it's just that Susanna Reid is sort of BBC and doesn't know how to ad-lib. She's not very good at things like that. So they make her walk across the studio... So she has to sit in a chair and do some... I mean, she she just... Why they don't put it on auto-cue, I've got no idea for her. But anyway, that's the way it's going at the moment. Whether it lasts remains to be seen. 84850. Carol says, I know the papers run these stories about peaches to sell copies, but I think it's very wrong. The dead can't speak for themselves. Well, I mean, but that doesn't come into it, Carol. That's got nothing to do with it. What they're doing is they're exposing a failing in somebody, hopefully as a warning to other people. You know, she was she was selling herself... She was selling herself as somebody who, you know, is a good mother, looks after her children, and she was heroin using. It's as simple as that, and that's why. And also, it doesn't make it... You can say anything you like about her now. You can't libel the dead. She can't come back and defend herself, much as I'm sure we should really bring back a few of these barking mad people. Uh, Marion says, up early and doing the ironing. Apparently Andy's coming home today after a week's decorating in Menorca. This is my brother. He's gone over there to his friend Peter's. And uh, so today he comes back because he's been out there doing decorating. He's very good at doing decorating, my brother. He likes doing things like that. And um, really hard work. 14 hours a day. Hoping to go to Hampton Court soon. We'll let you know. Thank you, Marion. I'm sure it'll be excellent. I'm sure it'll be absolutely excellent. I see that Kay Burley makes the papers today. Kay Burley makes the papers. Shall I read the story, ladies and gentlemen? Shall I read it? Are you ready, Kay? Here we go. News presenter, Kay Burley. This is in the uh, the Sunday People. She'll be frantically turning to it. She would brave many a discomfort to get a story in foreign climes, even going without underwear, she said. Even going without underwear. Gosh. Kay, then it's put her age in there, which is quite ridiculous. They've obviously got the numbers round the wrong way. It's ridiculous, Kay. Says 35 here. Uh, it claims she would rather not bother wearing any smalls and go commando whilst globetrotting if necessary. Well, it's outrageous. I can't believe I'm reading this stuff. Can't believe it. She says, I would rather run out of underwear than moisturiser. <laughs> There's a joke there somewhere. Anyway, and um, she started to go gay. Grey. Grey. And she, uh, <laughs> ever a faux pas. She, uh, she forks out 200 pounds. Why do women spend a lot of money having their hair done? You wouldn't ever find a man... And I'm looking at two, well, sort of one and a half, uh, one and a half people. And sort of, they wouldn't fork out £200 to have their hair done. Men tend to go grey, don't they? Quite nat. No? Have you, put a, have you ever put a rinse through your hair? Did you use a bit of Just For Men? Really? Oh, Mark, honestly, you old woman. I can't believe my I, I used to have highlights years ago. But I've never spent, would you ever spend £200 having your hair done? £200 is a lot. I suppose for a woman... That would be, I mean, I know people who would spend a fortune and they would fly their hairdresser around the world because hair is a woman's crowning glory. And if you're on television, you've got to look good all the time. I remember seeing Kirsty Young once 
And she must have had about 500 different colours in her hair. I've never seen anybody so many different colours. And I remember thinking, is that necessary on television? The answer is, I suppose it is. It's necessary because you, you've got to look good all the time. Radio, it doesn't matter. I mean, Kay Burley could come in here today to do, do the programme wearing sackcloth and ashes, and it wouldn't make any difference. She's still going to sound... Ex- I mean, I could be start naked now. It wouldn't make any difference to the programme. Might find that we speak a little bit quicker. We might have to turn the heating up in the studio, but apart from that... Oh, we found somebody else on Britain's Got Talent. Yes, it's amazing. This is, um... <laughs> Stig Abel. Never too early, says Stig, for a discussion on Kay Burley's Nicholasness. Nicker, Nicholas. Anyway, without knickers. It's never too early for that, is it, Stig? Never too early. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so we found a story from Britain's Got Talent. And here she is. Her name is uh, Alexis Economou. And uh, she's the oldest member of Reformed. I don't know who they are because I haven't been watching Britain's Got Talent. And surprise, surprise. And here we go. Hallelujah. She's got a history. She's a drug smuggler. Oh, brilliant. Yes, she's smuggled drugs in her underwear. Uh, some years ago, when she was going out with this, she said, the tearful wannabe said, yeah, because you've been caught out, love, haven't you? You've been caught out. What I really did was very stupid. It happened to me. It's something I did when I was in a rubbish place. But I'm not that person I was back then. Really? Look exactly the same. Um, <laughs> Gay Burley said, I'm sure I said I would globetrot with a commando rather than go commander. Well, I understand that exactly. Have you seen that? They put your age backwards in the papers. It's ridiculous. I can't believe it, honestly. And why do they put people's ages? What difference does that make? You know, when you're doing a story about somebody, you know, why do you have to put down, you know, somebody's age? I don't say, and I'm working with Mark today. Mark's 36. He's not actually, he's 40-something. But, I mean, aren't you? Oh, I did be- 43. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have repeated How rude. Because I'm happily doing it without thinking. And Pordy's very young, aren't you, Padre? How old are you? You're 25. 25? <laughs> he wasn't even born when I started. I'm so depressed. 25. I can't, do, I can't remember what I was doing when I was 25, actually. Oh, it's nice. Uh, Stig Abel says, I shall be presenting you today's show without underwear in homage. I think we'll just hold that thought. Uh, Michael Portillo is making uh, a new companion here. It's a young researcher that he met on the show. and Because he's, he's never seen without his Bradshaw's guide in his hand, has he? I quite like him. He, he, also, he wears those very, very very camp jackets, sort of powder blues and pinks and everything else. But anyway, he's become very friendly with a, a pretty young researcher. He's 60, she's 26. And uh, they... Is that, is that OK as an age difference? I don't know. I remember talking to a friend of mine about that. You know, should I ever reach the dizzy heights of 60? Would it be OK to go out with a 26-year-old if you're 60? Is that... I mean, I'm not saying he is going out with her, but they, you know, he doesn't look 60, he doesn't behave 60. I don't know what he's supposed to be like when you get to 60. Coming up, one in five women would rather go without nuki than a cup of tea. LBC News Time, 6.46. This is LBC. Certainly is Sunday morning. It's going to be a lovely day today. Already the sun is out already. It's burning through and it's going to be fantastic. And obviously all is well in the world because, uh, surprise, surprise, Brucey and Lionel Blair have healed their six-year rift. I didn't even know they had a rift. I did not know they had a rift. But uh, apparently a long, long time ago they got together to do a show and they didn't get on. But I would think that was normal within show business. Not everybody loves everybody in show business. Not everybody gets on with everybody. Even double acts don't always get on. And uh, they uh, they fell out 
Oh, it's a Bruce's birthday bash. Lionel appeared in Celebrity Big Brother in January. He revealed the pair had been giving each other the cold shoulder. He says, Bruce thinks I ignored his 80th birthday party and I didn't. His manager phoned me two days, two days before the party. He said I had a prior charity event. So anyway, so now, and to be honest with you, life is a bit too short, both for, both for Bruce and for Lionel Blair. And you don't want to go to meet your maker knowing that there's still a rift there. I think that's, uh, that's, that's a shame. Uh, Alan Clayton is in the paper today. You won't know who Alan Clayton is, but when he broke his neck in a car crash, he was paid a million pounds to set himself up for life. Instead, he squandered the lot in six years on motor cars, designer clothes, luxury holiday, and now he lives on benefits of just £600 a month. As his worried family looked on in horror, Alan, who was only 20 when he got the payout, blew a fortune on champagne and cocaine and lost even more in terrible business decisions. He bought a £27,000 car, um... I mean, it's a shame, really. He actually bought he bought a carousel ride for £100,000. You know, unless you're in the business. I don't know why you'd ever bother. He spent £7,000 on clothes, £3,000 in one trip. Well, as far as I'm concerned, if you're at the top end of the market, £3,000 in one trip, that's just a suit. One suit. He had holidays to Spain, Mexico and Mallorca, 30000 quid, an MGM car, holidays to Australia for his mum and his sister, and so all the money's gone. And we have to pay for this man. We have to pay for him. It's uh, it's not good, is it? Not good at all, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Uh, Jill says, I'm off to, to Carsholton to meet my great-nephew from Canada. We're all meeting at a restaurant on a road where I worked in a bakery 40 years ago. Do they have Saturday jobs anymore? They do. Saturday jobs exist a lot. Yes. 84850. As a famous radio announcer once said... Who would name their child Peaches? You know it's going to end in tragedy. Well, it might, it might not have done. Might not have done if if somebody was able to actually stop her doing what she did. I don't know. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, we read everything out on the programme. As you know, we don't miss anything out. We have to, because otherwise the producer... And we do have two producers today. Normally we'd only have one, but uh, on a Sunday we've pushed the boat out. And we've got two, which is great. I say two, I mean, it's, you know... They kind of blend into one, really, as, you know, one, one, one sits there smiling and the other sits there looking a bit nervous. Well, that's, that's all that matters. Listen, who cares? It's Sunday morning. It's lovely. It's lovely, you know, upstairs at the moment. You know, Stig will be there deciding what to wear, you know, what to do on the programme. I don't have, actually have a list. Normally I have a little list, but I found a book upstairs before I came down here, so I'm pinching it. I'm very good at pinching books around here. And this is very interesting. It's called The Complete A to Z Dictionary of Dreams. Be your own dream expert. So everything you dream about. So, for example, if, if you dream about um, a laser printer. I don't know why you'd ever want to dream about a laser printer, and I've never had one of those sort of dreams. That's an ability to quickly connect to a particular way of thinking so you can clearly spell out what you're trying to communicate. OK, let's have a look at... Uh, let's find, find something else, shall we? Let's have a look at the, the one that everybody else thinks about all the time. Pessy X. Now, if that's in here at all. It's bound to be, isn't it? Because I, I have dreams about a castle. And I go into this castle and I can see the staircase, it's stone, and there's a door off to the left. And I never managed to get through this door. I don't know why. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm not very good at it. So I suppose it could be a secret room, couldn't it? But I, I have another fear of falling. 
I have a fear of going up onto the battlements and walking round and looking down. And I've seen pictures in the papers that made me feel fairly queasy. And that's of people... There was one man the other day, no harness, nothing, standing with his feet over the tip of a crane, and it was up God knows how many thousands of miles in the sky. And he's looking down, and I thought, if you fall, you're going to make a heck of a mess on the pavement. Heck of a mess. I can't find anything on SEX, but I'm sure there must be. Do you know, people have dreams about sentry boxes. you believe that somebody's actually had a dream about a sentry box? Do you have dreams, Pordy, that we can repeat on the programme, as most of any of the ones that your mammy wouldn't like you to talk about in mixed company? <laughs> I like the idea. You could, do you know, some people have a dream about shellfish. Who has a dream about shellfish? I think they just put funny words in here. Or a shock absorber. Why would you ever want to dream about a shock absorber? It doesn't make any sense, does it, ladies and gentlemen? But I can't find anything on the SEX one, which I was hoping to this morning. Some people... There's one here. Sewage works. Who's ever had a dream about sewage works? Nobody. Uh, well, here we go. Sex. Opportunity to become more intimately aware of my talent to conceive a special ambition and bring it fully into being. It comes just underneath a sewing machine. Who's had a dream about a sewing machine recently? Not me, I'm afraid. Not racist, says Carol Malone. Just sick of being ignored. Branding people bigots when they're not. Costs the main party's vote. And uh, Peaches. And she's about the most hard-hitting of all the columnists, but that's Carol Malone for you. She says, so all of Peaches' protestations about how her kids were the most important thing in her life, how their birth had been a rebirth for her, how she would never let them down for anyone or anything was just one big fat lie. Because she did. She did let them down for heroin. And it killed her like it nearly killed her six years ago when she was 19. In the weeks before she died, she became obsessed with a heroin addict singer called Elliot Smith, who in one of his songs talked about how his friends couldn't save him from something they didn't understand. And I'm assuming that's how it is for most people who take drugs. We don't understand. It's, it's like being with an alcoholic. If you're with an alcoholic and you don't drink, you can't understand how somebody actually becomes an alcoholic because you don't drink. It's like watching smokers. I used to smoke, now I do not smoke. And I suppose, in a way, I can't quite understand why somebody would want to carry on smoking, knowing that it can kill you, knowing that it can make your skin look awful, you know, you wheeze, you get emphysema, you can start coughing up blood. There's all sorts of problems that go with smoking. And that's why it's a, it's a big problem nowadays. I was in Kingston the other day and there was a, a wagon and they were... Help- no, it wasn't, it was Richmond, beg your pardon. So I can get them mixed up. One's a little tiny sort of posh place and the other one's Kingston. And, uh, and they were there helping to, to get people to kick the habit. I did it on patches. Patches and a bit of willpower and it kind of worked for me. And it's still working at the moment. Although if somebody said to me, do you know, if you could just have one cigarette a week, would you? And I thought about that. I thought, I wouldn't. I'd be so... We- I would have to remonstrate with myself for being weak. Weak and ineffective that I'd actually gone back on to... Uh, back on to cigarettes. Two weeks ago... Carol says, I told a Costa coffee shop worker in a motorway service station where to stick his Americano. (laughs) When he demanded £3.80 for hot water and a shot of coffee that cost about 20 pence. Now, we're told, a drought in Brazil has devastated the coffee crop and chains here say they'll have no choice but to jack up prices by 55 pence a cup. Uh, They do have a choice. They could leave prices as they are and take a minuscule drop in their obscure profits. I like the idea. Yeah, £3.80 for an Americano. It's a bit of hot water. It's like frothy milk, isn't it? Why are we so obsessed? I pay £2.60 for a, for a frothy milk with a bit of coffee in it. Actually, I always have an extra shot in there, but I don't have to pay for the extra shot. But for ages now, 
I'm a little bit worrying, a little bit worried that I haven't had my free coffee from Starbucks. I should have had loads of free ones by now. Uh, they're obsessed with sugar, and today, these are the, uh, the things that mums and dads will pop into the kids' lunchbox. You know what it is? It's a yoghurt. Now, I like a yoghurt, but I've suddenly realised that there are lots and lots of sugars in yoghurts. And they've got a list of the healthy yoghurts with almost six teaspoons of sugar. That's three times more than a sticky donut. And you wouldn't really put a sticky donut in a kid's little lunchbox, would you? So they've got loads of ones here. A Nestle Munch Bunch strawberry yoghurt has 11.4 grams of sugar. I mean, the worst offender are Muller Kids Corner Footballs, which have 23.6 grams. That's six teaspoons of sugar. And, of course, it's sold for kids. Oh, it's a... It's a it, you always think, I did, that yoghurt was really healthy for you. I mean, apparently not. Apparently not. They've got little yeos here. I don't know what they are. They're obviously just little yoghurts to put... Do you know what they are? Why are you laughing, then? <laughs> oh, right. Uh, that's right, Yes. OK, I don't think we'll go there with the 42-year-old this morning. He's off, off with the pixies, I'm afraid. So, uh, Rachel's my first yoghurt. Banana. Now, I love a banana yoghurt. I don't know about you. A banana yoghurt does it for me. 12.4 grams per pot of sugar, this is. Nestle's Munch Bunch, fromage free, banana and strawberry. You think it sounds healthy, don't you? It's not. Smoothies, you would think, were healthy. It just contains a bit of apple juice and it's got banana and strawberry. Have you seen the sugar content on these things? Have you ever tried some of these smoothies? Leave, a stro- leave one of these in the fridge for a while. They explode. The sugar ferments inside there. I mean, I used to think if I ate smoothies, that would be really healthy. It's not. It's absolutely terrible. Thomas and Friends, the tank engine. You know, because you're paying for a picture of Thomas. It's still the same stuff inside. Same old gubbins. This is uh, 5.4 grams. You'll play Moshi Monsters yoghurt. Because kids obviously stop it. That's why it collapsed, OK? That's why you're where you are now, in Burkhampstead. What are they not putting in Burkhampstead in the high street? A little. Are they putting it in? Oh, right. A little is definitely going into Burkhampstead. Having reported last week on the programme that the good burgers of Burkhampstead... We're not having that. I don't think so, lad. No, we're not having that at all. We'd rather have another Starbucks. You have all the usual coffee shops and everything else. Yeah, you don't have a Starbucks. You've got a Costa. Do you have charity shops in Burkhampstead? Yeah, see, we've got loads. Round our way, they're called Polish department stores. Because they... Because there's, we, we must have 20. 20 or 25 charity shops. Which I'm a bit excited about. Because, I mean, I, I don't go in them. And then they say, uh, buy a book of us and then bring it back. I thought, what well, if you buy? I'm keeping it. Oops, I'm bringing the blooming thing back, am I? Absolutely ridiculous. So, in other words... Check out this report in the Mirror today on yoghurts, because they're not as healthy as you think. Tell you more to come on your early Sunday morning breakfast. We'll go through all the uh, papers and the top stories, including that row of garages in Parsons Green. Um, they were hoping to get 70,000, 75,000. £700,000. There's a mountain for sale in the Lake District. Oh, how lovely. If I won that £73 million, please God, I'll be good. Uh, 1.75 million. The BBC have snubbed a new series of Blackadder. Well, they must have done. They all died, didn't they, at the end? I thought they ran over the top and then they died and then the poppies came out. The cost of honey's on the rise. Must have worked with Martha Carney. Abby Clancy's got a new crush and has calls to make the TV watershed tougher. And, of course, we take all your texts, tweets and emails. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC. That's next. (laughs) 
everybody, as the sun bursts through the window, I'm definitely going to bring that blind down. I don't want to start getting burnt in the studio. That would really drive me mad. So, the garage is in Parsons Green. 75 grand was the estimate. £700,000. They've got to knock them down and put up flats. That's the only way they're going to do it. Round our way, I don't know if it's the same way you are, that literally every bit of office space that hasn't rented out as office space, they convert into flats. Lloyds Bank, offices upstairs, rented out. Now, all of a sudden, 14 one-bedroom flats. No parking. Price, £260,000 for a one-bedroom, pokey little thing, which is uh, on the high street. Abby Clancy's got a new crush, and the BBC don't want a new series of Black Adder. No decent comedy on the telly nowadays, is there? All of that and more this morning. Because I'm here till eight. I had to try and think when I was here till, actually. I'm here till eight. Uh, here till eight, and then uh, Stig and uh, Kay will be here. He looks like he's wearing a suit this morning. I'm just checking on the cameras, because we have a little bit of a sneaky peek on the cameras, don't we? have a little look. We try and work out what uh, what they're wearing. Kay's wearing a rather nice off-the-shoulder number. And, uh, oh, was that Stig? Anyway, so, anyway, and Stig's, Stig's got a suit on, or perhaps Kay's wearing a suit. I don't know. It's a, it's a shame you can't move the camera around so you can see exactly what they're wearing. <laughs> She'll be up there now getting the programme together and going through the papers and discovering the same stories that I've discovered, which is that Jordan's pregnant... I don't quite understand the whole Jordan thing. I really don't, actually. Uh, There's also a British Airways steward who's been found dead on a beach after a horror landing that left the entire cabin crew unfit to fly. Do you know, there's more and more shows, aren't there? More and more sort of, sorry, um, shows on the television about aircraft problems and things like that. Why you'd ever want to be a trolley dolly, I've got no idea. A TV show row behind Harry and Cressida... Split. Harry and William went over there. Apparently there was a load of detectives went with them, as you would expect. Well, that didn't stop Harry behaving uh, badly, I'm afraid, when he went to Vegas. Uh, Guy Pelly uh, with his bride-to-be, and uh, it all went very well. I see also Princess Beatrice was there, but there again, she'll turn up to the opening of a fridge door, I should imagine. And uh, somebody else turned up. And, well, Harry went to bed early, which I thought was slightly peculiar, slightly peculiar. Uh, Mick Jagger performed a touching tribute to Lorenz Scott. Stars gathered to remember the late designer in New York. And there were all sorts of people there, uh, including Georgia May Jagger and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, Anna Wintour and Rennie Zellweger. So they were all there. Very sad, isn't it? Very, very sad. Cameras love a charity, the Red Arrows and uh, Beckham's right foot. David Beckham is in the papers today. And uh, again, I'm afraid, two risque dance acts last night provided a near-naked shock for early evening viewers for Britain's Got Talent. Uh, a couple of pole dancers. Um, stop it. Goodness sake, honestly. It's Britain's Got Talent. Do you seriously think the royal family are going to be interested in a pair of old tarts parading around on a pole? Of course they're not. You can't put something like that on the television. Might be all right privately, you know, paying £20 here and £30 there in Berkhampstead. But, I mean, it's not the kind of thing that we want to see on the Royal Variety performance. Apparently, they now call it a burlesque show. This isn't burlesque at all. This is tatty. This is tatty and tacky. It's not burlesque. Burlesque is something completely different. But apparently, um, on last night's show, uh, Eva Iglesias told the judges she'd almost pulled out of the uh, audition after being dumped by her girlfriend. So she's gay as well. It's unbelievable. Everybody's got a story, haven't they, on Britain's Got Talent? Whatever happened to sort of, you know, just somebody coming on with no story? The answer is they don't get anywhere, do they? You've got to have somewhere on, they. So so she did her little singing, Eva Iglesias, 
And uh, the show's chief judge, Simon Cowell, has made it clear that it's important the royal family enjoys the winning performance. They couldn't give us stuff. They could. You seriously think the royal family enjoy this? This ordeal? You know, oh, Mummy, do you, want, do you want to go? I want to go. I hated it. Camilla hated it last time. It was awful. And, uh, you know, so we don't want to go. And, and Philip goes, I'll go. The old pole dancers and have some of that out there. Yeah, He'd love stuff like that. But the Queen has to sit there and suffer with it, I'm afraid. And uh, it's not... She says... He says, if they didn't like it, they wouldn't let us do this thing on the Royal Variety. It's got nothing to do with that at all. It's put together by a TV company. It's got nothing... The Queen doesn't know who these people are. You don't seriously think the Queen sits there going, oh, I hope we get these people. We like the old lap dancers at the Royal Variety. I remember the year the Pussycat Dolls were there. My God, they were boring. <sighs> Couldn't sing for toffee. Because I normally go every year to Royal Variety performance. Whether or not this year it's going to be the same, I don't know. Uh there's another one uh, here, which says, um, the girl band on Britain's Got Talent, uh, where were their fathers? I don't know. I try not to worry about people's fathers nowadays. I don't think about things like that. I'm only interested in, in whether or not somebody can actually sing or dance or do whatever, what else. But what's the difference between Britain's Got Talent having a singer and the X Factor? It's exactly the same, isn't it? I thought the whole idea of Britain's Got Talent is the fact that, of course, it's hilarious because they haven't. We haven't. We don't have... Talented people, so they trawl circuses and obviously lap dancing bars now to find somebody who can gyrate round a pole. You can't. We had a tassel dancer, didn't we? Some year turning up. I'm assuming it's there for for, for sort of Simon Cowell on the panel, but it's not. For, it's not for the uh, not for the rest of us. I don't watch the Royal Variety for that. We watch to see the big name stars. I don't know who the big name stars are at the moment. Do you think it might be Kylie Minogue? Is she a big name star at the moment? We don't don't seem to have as many popsicle stars at all. James says, what are you doing at work today? After the show, get yourself down the road to Camelot and claim your Euro millions. No, listen, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush. Of course, if I come into work tomorrow morning and we discover that somebody's come forward, because they, I, th- I suspect somebody will come forward today and claim the £73 million. Pounds. I'm so happy for them. I couldn't be happier, actually. Anybody win £73 million? Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? If you actually phone up a friend and go, you know that £73 million? It's me. It's me. It's me. You get really excited and they go, no, it is. You go, it is. How would you prove it? How would you prove it? Nobody would know. Because you remember that person who, who cheated a while ago? What they did, they, they saw the winning numbers on the lottery. So they went out and bought a lottery ticket with those numbers on it. And then they said to somebody, oh, look, I've got the winning ticket. And so people gave them credit on the strength of that. Whereas, in fact, they didn't because they bought the ticket after the lottery had, uh, had, uh, had, had come down. Be stolen by keepers in hive raids. Hope you're listening, Martha Carney. She's doing a programme on the television, actually, at the moment, about, about beekeeping. Never interested me. I'm terrified. I've got strawberries, and uh, they've gone berserk, actually. They've started growing really well in baskets. And that's good, but you get lots of bees around there pollinating. It's a bit of a dull life being a bee, isn't it? You have to fly for miles and miles and miles. And then you get there, and you have to pollinate flowers. You have to go in and out of this flower, in and out of that flower. But they're very good. I can be watering the hanging baskets and stuff like that, and the, the bees don't seem remotely bothered. Wasps I don't like. Don't like wasps at all in this weather. If having a picnic today, don't take any jam or stuff like that. Ghastly. Steve, uh, lovely to hear you again on a Sunday morning. We've got a lovely book called London's Hidden Walks. 13 walks, starting with Mayfair, which we're doing today. Try and do one a week. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a very, very good idea. Do a walk a week. It's also very good, and but do it early. Please do it early. It makes it so much easier, doesn't it? Uh, other stories which are in the papers today. This is, um, who is this? Oh, it's Kelly LeBrock. 
Why do we know Kelly LeBrock? Oh, she's married to... Wasn't she married to Stephen Seagal, I think? Uh, Billy Connolly wants fans to carry on killing themselves laughing long after he's died. I like Billy Connolly. I like Billy Connolly. Some of his early stuff is really absolutely top-notch. And did I read correctly yesterday that two people have been arrested because they were tweeting vile stuff about this murdered teacher? Are people so stupid? Are people so stupid that they would do that, knowing you could be traced immediately? Any texts, any email, an email, easiest thing to find, because up comes your IP address. Police can find you within five minutes. And two people were tweeting vile things about a murdered teacher. (laughs) I'm sorry. I think name and shame. In fact, uh, I think we will name and shame on the programme tomorrow. I've decided. I don't like people like that. It kind of ruins it, doesn't it? Absolutely ruins it. On the subject of uh, Max Clifford, says Jeff. Uh, Max received an eight-year sentence. He'll probably serve four of those before he gets released. Yes, I mean, well, I don't know. It depends whether he appeals. It depends whether he appeals against the the eight years, because everybody said, and I, I mean, no matter whether you like him or you don't like him or whatever you think about him, eight years seems fairly excessive. When you look at what Stuart Hall did, and he only got 18 months to start with, perhaps the, uh, perhaps the Crown Prosecution Service would suddenly realise they need to start dishing out some, some uh, decent... Some decent sentences, but I thought eight years was fairly excessive, fairly excessive. Uh, Hollywood's uh, famous bachelor, this is George Clooney, and they've looked at all the people he's been out with and uh, the people he likes going out with. Now they say he's going to get married. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Generally speaking, he gets cold feet, getting a little bit, you know, too close to comfort, and then he goes, no, I don't want that at all. And uh, the wife of Glenn Campbell, has told of her agonising decision to put him in a care home because she and the children couldn't cope with his Alzheimer's. Isn't that sad? Poor, poor Glenn Campbell. He was only over here a short while ago, and I nearly got an interview with him, but then at the last minute he wasn't, uh, he wasn't well enough. So they have tried everything. He's 76. Uh, I think 76, 78 he is now. And so even though he tried to child-proof the house, he has to be watched every second because a friend of mine has got uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, and he picks things up and pinches things. It takes all sorts of things. So if you're, they're looking around for things. They go, what have you done with it? And uh, that is the danger. They'll just go off wandering by themselves. So you've got to make sure they're in a, a secure place. A £6.7 million new dogs trust centre in Wickford, in Essex, has taken in its first resident. A stray cat. 7.15. This is Chris Humphreys in the LBC Travel Centre. Over get Kay Burley and Stig. Abel will be along at eight o'clock this morning with Sunday breakfast. Such a glory. I feel as I'm in the middle of the morning here. I can't believe it's only 20 past seven. It's amazing. We've, we found the ultimate pet uh, for the Chinese. The ultimate, forget dogs and cats and snakes and budgies and birds in cages and things like that. No, the, the latest must have a cabbage on a lead. Yes, apparently walking a cabbage is better than walking a dog because they don't bark. Uh, the vegetables are being taken for walks by teenagers who say it's a way of getting over depression and loneliness. Oh, I'm going to send one to a couple of, uh, couple of people who've texted me this morning, because you're quite clearly very lonely. We'll send you a cabbage. Chinese psychiatrist Wen Chao says the idea is simple. You feel as lonely and as simple as a cabbage. You begin to act like one and befriend one, and in that acceptance comes change. Clever, the Chinese, aren't they? I mean, who'd have thought about it? Befriending a cabbage, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I can understand a watermelon. And years ago, we had bricks. Do you remember those plastic bricks that we had? And we had cabbage patch dolls. 
They were very scary. Cabbage Patch dolls were very scary children. And you had to adopt one. It came with a certificate to say you'd been adopted. It's a piece of material made in a cheap sweatshop in China, OK? That's all it was. But um, Tamagotchis, was that where you sort of... I used to let them die. I used to think, no, you want to die, you're dying. That's as simple as that. I have no interest in it whatsoever. I've got... Um, I, I used to... Sorry, I've got... I've still got this, this Teddy Ruxpin kind of character... This is the one which frightened my goddaughter because it came to life on the settee, which was hilarious. But I'm not sure about walking around with a cabbage. I mean, either they're all mad as broomsticks or there's a lot of people who should have gone into homes a long time ago. But, but somebody says, uh, I can transfer my negative thoughts about myself to the cabbage, go for a walk with it and come home feeling better about myself. I don't think it's going to take off round here, to be honest with you. The first person I see walking a cabbage, although I've seen a few people who look as though they should be cabbages walking around London... He says, if I see someone else, it's easy to start up a conversation with them about their cabbage. This is, quite, this is not April Fool's, by the way. And they're better than dogs as they don't bark or start fights with other cabbages. It doesn't need feeding or leave a mess on the pavement. Well, it must do. As you're dragging it around, surely the cabbage starts disintegrating. In fact, afterwards, I can throw the cabbage away and feel I've tossed my feelings out with it. Well, there you go. That's the kind of thing that they do in China now. They, they take a cabbage out, out for a walk. Oh. oh, dear me. Kevin O'Sullivan, just when you thought it was safe to turn on the TV. I'm going to read what he says about the Good Morning Britain. He says, thought for the day, uh, those who don't learn from the mistakes of history are doomed to repeat them. Which brings us to the top team at ITV, who, after sacking two extremely expensive BBC defectors, recruited another one. And immediately reaped the lack of rewards. Yes, you'd have thought they'd have learnt first time round. Adrian, I'm so boring, Childs. And Christine, how are Bleakly, who was just inept, I'm afraid. It did not work. There was no chemistry. There was nothing. You cannot create chemistry. You've either got it or you haven't. It said it, it's not that Good Morning Britain is terrible. It's fine in a plodding, uninspired kind of way. It's just that it's mind-numbingly mediocre. You can't imagine it faring any better than its disastrous predecessor, Daybreak, mainly because it's the same old drearily average package in slightly different wrapping paper. OK, this new orange-faced Susanna Reid, nicked from the BBC for a paltry 400 grand a year, ex-sky anchor Charlotte Hawkins, and a bloke who looks suspiciously like uh, GMTV relic Ben Shepherd. But once you get past the too many desperate-to-be-pals presenters, their jarringly huge desk and the horribly hectic studio, it's the same old line-up. Hollywood stalwart Ross King, pretending to be a friend of the stars in L.A., Richard Arnold, pretending to be a friend of the stars in the U.K., resident medic Dr Hillary, incomprehensible financial adviser Martin Lewis. No wonder they pulled in the same old dismal ratings, which soon plummeted to Daybreak's dangerously low tide mark. If the guys at ITV are wondering where the wildly popular Miss Reed's vast army of fans are, they're still watching Bill Turnbull on the other side. The truth is that Oh Susanna was never that popular. Her alleged superstar status was invented by the BBC's publicity department during its tireless campaign to get her to win Strictly. But, of course, she didn't. Sadly, despite an avalanche of stage-managed, favourable headlines, Reedy was beaten by a middle-ranking pop singer and a footballer's wife. The fact that she couldn't dance didn't help. Now, like Adrian Charles and Christine Bleakley, before her, Susanna is finding out it's tough at the bottom. Nice legs... Shame about the faceless format. In fairness, Good Morning Britain is brighter, busier, frantically, and newsier than Daybreak. In other words, it's GMTV without the laughs. Poor Ben must be suffering deja vu. And the one thing that you do notice 
is that they're all desperately trying to be the one who's going to be the star of it, whereas, in fact, the public are turning off. It's the same old, same old. Poor old Susanna, there is no personality. You can't invent something. I knew from the headlines that were coming out from the BBC's publicity department that they were trying to big her up and make her into something she wasn't. She, very unwisely, started believing the publicity. Oh, I'm really not that attractive, she goes. You know, coming out with... I mean, the, the, the orangeness of her at the moment... I thought she'd been dipped in creosote the other day. It was very... And I'm, I'm saying to the... I'm shouting at the television, pull back, pull back. Wimbledon seems like a good idea to shoot her from because it just wasn't good. And then they go on about, oh, it's her legs. And you think, and that's the, that's the best you're going to get. So, I mean, it, would it be happy if she just sat there in her underwear? You know, yeah, all right. Yeah. Sure sign you've been single for too long, isn't it, really? Susanna Reid started to look exciting in the morning. Because she doesn't... I noticed that on day one, she appeared to interview Richard Arnold. Well, she struggled to interview Richard Arnold. You'd be better off if Richard Arnold interviewed Richard Arnold. Then by, by the time we got to day three, she'd obviously quite clearly given up and handed it over to Charlotte, who's obviously used to talking to third-rate celebrities. And so, uh, so that's what we got. We had a little bit of a One Direction plug which was lovely. Of course, everybody else had it before them. And they completely missed the fact that Simon Cowell's musical was closing. Why they never covered that, I've got no idea. Presumably because Simon Cowell was on their hit list of, of people that they want to, to get. But nothing can beat bad television as much as Joe Frost at the moment. This is this so-called super nanny. Dear God, this woman takes up my whole television. My whole... She's enormous. The programme is dire. It is absolutely awful. It is, it is possibly one of the worst... Thing. I'm not interested in another, another Jeremy Kyle-type programme... All with, with Joe Frost doing it, who's a dreadful presenter. It only goes to prove that some people can present, and Joe Frost quite clearly can't, I'm afraid. Over in EastEnders, no, I'm not watching it either, I'm afraid. But I did watch Embarrassing Bodies live from the clinic. And the least I say about that, the better. Made up in Chelsea, poor old Binky. You remember Binky? Binky's got an autobiography out, she's 23. So it's not so much an auto autobiography, more a sort of somebody writing on the back of a postage stamp. Anyway, she was devastated after cheating Alex at his wicked way with somebody else. And who was the two-timing cad's mystery carnal companion? No one knows, not even him. You don't think this relationship is worth saving, sobbed Binky? Of course it isn't, darling. It's insane. Have you noticed, though, that all the girls in Made in Chelsea... I mean, I don't want to be rude, and I'm trying not to be. But they're more scrubbers than the people over in The Only Way is Essex. I mean, by comparison, the people in Essex at least hang on to it, you know, for the second night and then give it all up to poor, you know, Mario Falcone or somebody like that. But in, in Made in Chelsea, the posher the girl, the looser their morals. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous. I mean, who in their right mind would ever want to hang around with Spencer Matthews, the man who looks like sort of everybody's creepy uncle? Oh, you don't like him, do you really? Oh, you can't. What's the matter with you? I'm trying to educate you. You know, he's creepy. He's looking really old and seedy, and it's not, it's not, a, not a good look, I'm afraid. Well, I don't think it's a particularly good look. Uh, front page of the, uh, the Sun this morning, it is the, uh, the staggering, earth-shattering news, ladies. Uh, brace yourself for this one. Katie Price is pregnant again. This will be baby number five. The ex-glamour model. Nobody's asked her to model for years. Why would you ask Katie Price to model? Unless you're doing wardrobes or something cheap from Ikea. I, don't, I can't think of anything else. But anyway, so this is now... She's already got a son, Jet. And now she's got a, another child. And apparently she fell pregnant last November. Riveting. It's nice, isn't it? Katie Price. I know that Christo likes her. And I know, you know, he's a, he's a big fan. I just can't get my head around somebody who is... I mean, now she just looks odd. Wearing somebody else's horse hair. 
I've got more horse hair in my settee than she's got on her head. And so she went on holiday, and apparently then it happened. So the kids have to get used to another father now. So they're Peter Andre's children at the moment. This is Princess Tiami and Junior. I don't know what surname they take. I've got no idea. Junior, is it Andre, do you think? Junior Andre? Or is it Pri? I don't know what they've got. Perhaps a double. One day last week, she said she couldn't bear to talk to Peter Andre ever again. You watch. It'll be the same with Kieran. Give it another six months and uh, we'll be there. And the former detective who helped snare Max Clifford has revealed the shamed PR kept a secret book of celebrity sleaze, including claims about a pop star and rent boys. Lord above, it's too early on a Sunday morning to even contemplate this. But, you know, every- Max Clifford was very arrogant. There's no two ways about it. But, as I repeat again, phoned up with the papers. You now want to know who the pop star is and the rent boys, don't you? You really want to know this. Like, we all want to know various other little tasters. And they go, well, you know, this sort of person here. I mean, I've heard a couple of names bandied around, some of whom is going to blow the off them. Coming up, the Royal Marines hitting the record yesterday, drumming for 64 hours to mark their 350th anniversary. LBC News time, it's 7.30. And with the latest news headlines, it's Peter Ferris. A 13-year-old boy charged with the murder of a man during a break-in in south-west London. The boy is due in court tomorrow, charged with murdering 39-year-old Martin Thomas, who was stabbed at his home in Roehampton last month. Her will be said in churches across West Yorkshire later. The 61-year-old was stabbed to death at her school last Monday. A 15-year-old boy has been seen. Certainly, it's 26 minutes to uh, 8. Apparently, yesterday's Express, Jennifer Selway wrote, Who cares about Susanna Reid? So much easier to listen to the radio. Yes, I agree, actually. Wayne's on standby at the moment. He's working this hot weekend. Although, actually, if you're flying, it's probably not too bad. They're all fairly air-conditioned planes, aren't they? He says, I couldn't end up in Mauritius or Manchester. Dear. What a, what a choice, I'm afraid. What a choice. And uh, Kay Burley... Getting, uh, getting all geared up with Stig for the uh, programme this morning. And uh, another one here. Um, the Naked Rambler will be out soon. He's not still going, is he? I can't believe it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And um, apparently, Starbucks have changed their system and the reward is sent straight to your phone. Not sure what happens if you don't have the app. I do have the app, actually. Perhaps I should, uh, perhaps I should, um, perhaps I should check it out. Because I spend so much money... I, I do actually get them, but normally I get the piece of paper through. They, they come in here, not the piece of paper, you get a bit of cardboard, which is nice. And somebody called sort of Joe, I think, who's only got five followers. There's, there's little Miss Lonely for you. Says, sad to hear Steve Allen show trying to get a free Starbucks. Oh, darling, I get free Starbucks all the time. I know all the staff in there. And uh, Paulina would spring me a free Starbucks every day of the week. Every day of the week. But I do get them because I do have the app. I'll have to check, actually. I'm looking at the app now, just seeing whether or not I'm I'm due a free one. And, um, oh, I'm due a free one. That's nice, isn't it? Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for reminding me. You must try and find more than five friends. It's not that easy. Somebody says, if I can't find a cabbage to take for a walk, would a member of the cast of The Only Way is Essex do? Yes, I would think anybody. <laughs> anybody like that. There's quite a few. You could take Sam for his and Joey Essex. Possibly the most stupid man I've ever seen. He was on a third-rate show on the television this morning where the budget must have been about a pound. And uh, they said, name a favourite colour. And he went, clear plastic. And they went, no, a colour. He quite his too stupid. And he went, yeah, but you can look through it. And the other panellists sat there and they were looking at him in disbelief because you, you can't believe somebody is that stupid. You know, we thought it was a bit of a joke with, with Jade and a, and a bit of a joke with various other people where they sort of... And you think, no, you really are that stupid. Chloe Sims is another particularly stupid person. A lot of the people on the Made in Chelsea programme, very stupid. The, uh, the one which comes from... C- 
Cardiff. Okay, is it the Valleys? I think that's another... Oh, dear me, I don't know where they get those people from at all. But then, poor old Joey Essex, he is, he's so simple. I don't think he could, he could fill in a form by himself. I don't really think that's possible. I remember seeing a programme years ago which was called My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding, and all the gypsy girls went off to do paintballing, but they had to fill in their names and detail, and they couldn't. They had no idea how to write their names. And it was left down to one girl, and even she wasn't much good at it either. So in the end, they just didn't bother. <laughs> Juliet is in uh, sunny Streatham. She says, I can't help laughing about your comparison between the Chelsea and the Essex girls. Well, it's, I mean, that's the amazing thing, isn't it? That is the amazing thing, that you actually look at them and you think that the, the Essex girls are going to be the ones who are, who are going to be worse. But, but they're not. They're absolutely not, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, which is very funny, very funny indeed. Uh, another one here says, uh, this morning Britain should be scrapped. Uh, Ruth and Eamon Holmes would be... Oh, no, not Ruth and Eamon Holmes again. Oh, no, we've had quite enough of Eamon Holmes, thank you very much indeed. Quite enough of her. And every time I see her advert on the television for the glasses that she's had lasered or something, I'll have to turn that off straight away, so we don't, uh, we don't bother with that anymore. I don't think, really, it's, you know, Eamon Holmes doesn't rate very well. He's already been on the programme. It would be a backward step for him. And also, we don't want to see Ruth. I mean, it's OK on this morning where she's had a chance to go into makeup. But uh, you don't want to see her that early. I don't think breakfast television would suit her at all. Uh, Richard Arnold now wears a suit. Yes, I mean, I agree. Bring back Ali Jones. Definitely. And uh, another one here says, uh, it says, if you think Spencer Matthews or Spenny, as they call him, is true. Well, no, he's not called Spenny at all. They, they might call him that in a series, but it's not what his friends call him. And uh, it's, it's, I think it's an odd one, actually, because Spencer Matthews is, is very old. And I don't quite know what he's doing on the programme. He doesn't actually do anything. i tell you what I did listen to, which I absolutely loved earlier on. It was a discussion that Christo was having with somebody called Bill, who uh, was retired and sounded like he retired about 500 years ago, and Christo talking about the, uh, the striking, and somebody saying, oh, you sound like Tory boy and this and that, and I couldn't quite work out. And uh, the only thing Christo didn't say was that this strike was only balloted by 20% of the RMT workers. 80% stick two fingers up. They couldn't give a, couldn't give a forex about it. Not remotely interested in going on strike. Why would you go on strike about a few people who sit in a ticket office? Who cared about them? Nobody cared about them at all. You know, as far as I'm concerned, and I thought the best argument we had was during the week, where somebody suggested, as in France, why don't they just say you can travel on the tubes and the buses and everything else for free? And that way, if you really want to hit them, what's the point of going on strike? They don't get paid for it, like a lot of sheep going out there. And then you get somebody going, oh, you're so anti the unions. And he said, no, no, absolutely not. He said, I'm not. And I thought that quite clearly, poor old Bill didn't understand what was going on at all. He kept going on about, you know, if you have this, we'll have train derailments. And the last one he could remember was 1989. You know, which goes to prove how far in the past he was. It was just ridiculous. Nobody's interested. And, of course, the last time... When, when did the train strike finish? We had the train... Was it Friday? Friday. 11... Friday, was it? can't remember. Anyway, Thursday or so. Whatever it was, they, the management managed to get 11 tube lines running. They weren't all full capacity, but they got 11 tube lines running. I don't think that's happened in living memory. They were hoping the strike could be solid. Under Bob Crow, of course, now dead, it probably would have been. But uh, they're so ineffectual, the union leaders now. They go, are we going on strike? And all the people are going, I don't think so. We want to go to work. We don't work. We don't get paid. They're going to close these offices, whether you like it or not. So you're kind of, you know, you're up against a wall on it. There is no point at all in doing it. It's not going to serve any purpose. And yet they're going to go on strike tomorrow. Good. Stay on strike. We managed to get through it really well. Day one, a little bit of a problem. Day one, you know, it's, uh, 
you know, a little bit of a problem with it, but by day two, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Nobody was rushing, nobody was fighting for the buses, cab drivers going, yeah, stay out as often as you like. Thank you very much indeed. That's what made it so much fun. So much fun. Uh, 84850, uk. William and Harry at the centre of a security square, a square, scare, when an American superfan slipped into their pal's pre-wedding dinner. This is Beverly McPhail. She's quite clearly got one or two screws loose. And she flew 800 miles to be close to her royal idols. She's definitely got a few screws loose. She was grilled by cops for getting too close after she snuck into Guy Pelly's pre-wedding dinner. The country club was on lockdown, but Beverly knew a security code. So it can't have been on that much of a lockdown, can it? If she knew a security... She flew 800 miles. She knew a security code. <laughs> God in heaven. She flew to London three years ago. She says, I love them. I've followed them since Diana died. I'm not a stalker. You so are, dear. You so- Isn't it funny how stalkers don't even recognise what they are? You're a mad-as-a-broomstick stalker. That's what you are. You stalk people. You snuck into something that you shouldn't have been at. You weren't invited. But I love them. You're a stalker. OK? Get over yourself. These people should be locked up for their own good. Makes it a lot safer, doesn't it, I suppose? Uh, on the subject of uh, Furbies, they were very good, says Jackie. Yes, they were. I've, I've still got quite a number of Furbies. I bought about six as an investment. Two I've opened, but one of them got a cold, and then the other one collect What? The other one collected the cold from it. So I had two people sneezing in the bedroom. It was a nightmare. I put them on the top of the wardrobe, and every so often you just went and they go, and they sort of wake up, and then went, Achoo! I think what they'd done is they'd learnt it from me. I had a cold and I was sneezing a lot. And then one Furby picked up the cold and then the other one started copying. So before we know it, we had an epidemic going on in the bedroom. Not for the first time, I hasten to add. But Furby sneezing, a little bit worrying. Uh, I haven't seen the Charlotte Crosby experience. I was actually, funny you should mention that because I literally just looked at Kevin O'Sullivan. He was talking about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I know that there's another cooking programme, and to be honest, I'm really not inter- I couldn't care less about cooking programmes anymore. I really couldn't. Uh, Peter says, I'm just back from a holiday in Kurdistan. That's a place to go to, isn't it? I was trying to think where you want to go to. I can't think of any worse. It's like, where are you going on holiday? Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. When I was watching... Oh, here we go. When I was uh, watching a programme the other day, uh, it was about Tel Aviv and prostitution. It was Rupert Everett doing a programme on prostitution. And apparently Tel Aviv bus garage was absolutely a hotbed of prostitution. Couldn't believe it. It's all around the world, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? What, what are Kay and Stig going to be doing this morning? Oh, they're going to be talking uh, about the UKIP leader Nigel Farage, who said his party should possibly not be taking money from wealthy businessmen. This one, this is the one who's aired the controversial views about rape, homosexuality and slavery. Actually, that's nothing. One of the other papers today is looking at Sharia law, where apparently three imams, quite clearly off their trolleys, have said... Um, have said that uh, there is no such thing as rape within marriage and it's OK for men to hit women. <laughs> I don't think we need that kind of law in this country, thank you very much indeed. So they're going to be talking about uh, controversial views about rape, homosexuality and slavery. Uh, Madeleine McCann as well. This is the seventh anniversary. I don't know where they're going to go with this one. I don't know what the answer is. I wish I did. I wish I did. They probably do as well. Uh, also, Ed Miliband facing a Labour revolt over this nanny state crackdown on drinking, smoking and junk food. I think junk food, definitely. Definitely. And um, another one here. And this is uh, Innocent Drinks' Richard Reed on life after a £500 million company 
takeover. They actually sold it. This is the man who came up with the innocent fruit smoothies and stuff like that. It's not bad, is it? 500 million. Makes my 73 look a little bit, a little bit silly, doesn't it? But, you know, done my best, I suppose. Done my best. Uh, and other stories in the papers today. This is the uh, mum fury as Cowell drumps for, yes, Curtis. This is Curtis Elton's mum. He's a, a ten-year-old pianist. Ditched by Simon Cowell in 2010, and now for the second time, so she's angry about it. Well, stick him on another show. Stick him on another show. So much easier, isn't it? Because then you don't need to worry about it. There's no explanation for it. You know, they'll put on a pair of tacky old pole dancers, but yet they'll get rid of a, a piano genius. I discovered one on YouTube a while ago. And I thought that was, uh, that was a fairly good person. And poor old uh, Kim Marsh. Said to be furious last night, according to the Sun today, after boyfriend Dan Hooper was caught having web sex with a glamour girl. Dear, you can't pick him, can you? A bit like what? A bit like Kelly Brook, really, I suppose. A bit like Kelly Brook. And um, how's D progressing here? Benefit Street, White D. She's shoving and necking the old booze down as far as she can. And uh, she's not actually on... on uh, not getting paid for this, but her, her agent... Uh, said she hasn't done anything wrong. People pay tax and save for holidays. She hasn't done either. No, she hasn't, actually, has she? But she's managed to get as fat as a beach hut. But uh, she's necking the booze down. I'm sorry, where is this depression, love? When when does that manifest itself? It's when somebody suggests that awful word, work. It's awful, isn't it, really? Coming up, some insurance policy terms and conditions. 38,000 words. That's longer than some classic novels. LBC News time. It's 14 to 8. What up? This is Snoop Dogg. C. Apparently, Richard Desmond uh, only paid £100 million for Channel 5 four years ago. So, in fact, he's done very well selling it for £450 million. That's what you call good business. Mind you, as I've said before to Richard, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Thank you, Jonathan Levi, for that one. That's not a bad profit, is it? Alex says, you so obviously had your script sent from the Tory office. Pfft, how wrong you are. How wrong you are. Anyway, they must be so rich in the RMT if they can afford to lose five days' pay in two weeks. That shows real numptyism, doesn't it, really? I mean, you know, why a train driver would go on strike over somebody in a ticket office? A ticket office? Are they going out with each other? Do they know? Do they know who these people are? Certainly not. No, no, I think the unions have had their day. They might have been good years ago, but, I mean, now they don't quite clearly think... They're trying to make a name, but there's nobody in the RMT who ever came close to, to Bob Crow at all. Fiona from South Norwood says, You always put me in a good mood for work. Yes, I mean, I love Sunday. I love, look at it. It's how bright it is outside. I really must sort of get a hat together. So I don't look as though I'm sort of going to burn to pieces outside. Whilst I Can't Sing expires very soon, says John the Projectionist, and we recently lost the two new Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice musicals, I was very impressed by going to see The Pyjama Game. Yes, there's no stars in that one at all, are there? This revival proves that our modern stage musicals can't compare to a 60-year-old, big, brassy, in-your-face Broadway show. Last time I experienced that a few years ago with Damn Yankees with Jerry Lewis. I now eagerly await the end of the year... When Imelda Staunton brings Gypsy back to the West End. Yeah, I think that'll do really well. I think Gypsy will do very, very well. Very well. Quite like that idea, actually. Gypsy was such a good stage show. Uh, that was Kevin the Milkman, who says, I can recommend watching Mr Drew's School for Boys on catch-up, an inspirational head teacher who taught my daughter Antonia. Good. Good news there. Oh, lovely. And, um... <laughs> sorry, just... Uh... Read some more things here. Jan's on a on a mini bread. That's a nice cup, isn't it? I know. <laughs> what? 
Well, lovely, isn't it? It's nice, thank you. Uh, full tickets to the Portmouth Historic Dockyard, says Jan. And so they went to the Mary Rose exhibition, went back the following day and spent time on the Victory and the Warrior. My next day trip, courtesy of your recommendation, Steve, will be Hampton Court Palace and I'll be travelling using my old Gits Pass. It's lovely, actually. I did spread the word in Dorset about the, the Steve Allen I've got lineup. a bone to pick with you. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Honestly, barely sat down. I don't even eat chicken bones. Why Are you ready? Got a bone? Yeah, I almost... Almost not getting your gifts this morning. I cannot believe how rude you've been about Susanna Reid. Susanna Reid is a brilliant presenter. She's found herself in a very challenging position. Wake me up when I go-go, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. I can't believe it. And female presenters stick together at all costs. Well, you mustn't. Why? You mustn't. Because, listen, £400,000, don't you wish you were earning that sort of money, Kay I Burley? wish I was earning that sort of money. Exactly, but you're not. I'm so not. That's, but also, it's, it's Kevin O'Sullivan was absolutely right. It's the same old format, just with some new faces. Don't bang it the table at me. I'm not banging the that's banging the table. <laughs> <laughs> it just the trouble is too much publicity about something. That's not done her it. fault. That is not her but fault. But the BBC publicity machine went into overdrive when she was on street. I know that for a fact. They went in and they were what they were doing is they were overhyping somebody who, who wasn't that popular. She was just a news presenter on the television. What's wrong you with know? that? Well, but it's it's luckily it's free. rule Britannia. <laughs> Britannia rules the waves. <laughs> no, I just I just. I don't think it's going to work, and I bet you anything in six months' time I'm proved right, and they revamp yet again. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I bet they will. They'll uh, have the, to. The first morning I got, I was criticised uh, roundly by the Daily Mail Sometimes. because I had said, suggested that uh, there was too much going on mm. and I needed a little lie down. And the problem was that they had the uh, steady cam going round and round and round, and I just felt a bit dizzy. I think it settled down very quickly, that programme, and I think it will be fine. I did the same show 30 years ago. It's not possible. <laughs> there we what, go. When you were five. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, you know, they, they at, that, at that stage, were suggesting that uh, it would never succeed. And 30 years later, they're calling it the same thing and going back to the future. You see, over on Sky, it's different. They have one person behind the desk and then have a couple of people sitting on a couch. In this one, you've got four of them on there. Sport, we waste... Fod- the majority of people watching telly are women in the morning. They're not remotely interested in sport. No matter how sweet it is or whatever else, you don't need it. You don't need four people sitting there because it just... It's too many people. Andy Peters doing a, a silly game show and saying, you know, have you got anybody you want to say hello to? That's well, not what it's about. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to give you some of that. But I'm gonna, my philosophy on Breakfast Telly is that when people wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. they need to know that the world is still turning. Mm-hmm. They need to know what the weather's going to do. Mm-hmm. And they need to know that they can get to work on time. Mm-hmm. And everything else is a bonus. Yes. But, I mean, it, effectively, you could have, I mean, let's face it, Roland Ratt, a glove puppet, saved TVAM. Yeah, That's I what it comes that. down I to. I was that Because they tried it soldier. all. They put the Angela Rippons on, the Robert Key. Everybody was on there. And you think, even with all that talent there, it was doomed to failure. I think the problem is that uh, they don't need, you're right, they don't need as many presenters as no. they have at the moment. But... They are, who's who's frowning? Is that Stig Abel frowning at us through the window? I have no on? idea. <laughs> no idea what he's wearing. Uh, but where we, I've lost my train of thought now. Good. What was I saying? <laughs> oh, I know what I was saying. Yes, you're right. Four is yeah, perhaps too, too many. many. But Susanna is only going to do five days a week for the first couple of weeks, and then she's going to drop down to four. So there won't be as many people, I don't think. Well, she, well, she managed to take take the cut in the money. She won't be taking a cut in money. They're she's worth every money. penny that she earned. She is an Kate excellent Burley. presenter. I'm so glad I don't do a show with you, because we'd be arguing all the time. Yes, we would. We'd do you want up- your present or not? Oh, oh, it comes down to that now, does it? <laughs> oh, do you want your present or not? Well, I don't know. It depends where the not is good. What is it? Have a look. 
possibly something. It's all very heavy. Yeah. Would you like yours? Thank you. <laughs> Chocolates. <laughs> oh, look. Again. My favourite. My <laughs> Nut favorite. brittle, I know. More teeth to fall out. <laughs> How exciting. Oh, this is very big. Gosh. It's from Dales, but it's a very posh shop. Really? Yeah. Very heavy. Oh, how lovely. That's nice, isn't it? Ooh. Oh, it's lovely. It's a candle. It's very nice. It's a heart-shaped candle. Yeah, all right. Don't make a big thing about it. <laughs> Change my reputation overnight. <laughs> That's very sweet. Where is Dalesford? Dalesford is uh, a very posh store up in the Cotswolds. Oh, that's good, because that's where you went last week. Yeah. Did you have a nice time? I had a lovely time. Yeah, we're actually running you on the on the, the trails, talking about your son and everything else. Is that right? Poor son, he's going so embarrassed. That's my mother on the radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing I, I, the heck I, out I, of I me. I don't think that's the only thing that he's been embarrassed about with his mother, and he's 21 years so far. 21. Is, is he working, or...? No, he's just about to finish at the LSE. Oh, right. Reading politics. So oh, right, so he's, he's going to go into exam. politics. He's not going to go into politics. No, he just no? finds it absolutely fascinating. Wow. What does he want to do? He is going to be probably something to do either with photography or probably to follow in his father's footsteps and be sports management. Wow. My, my One of my brother's girls, the youngest, she wants to go into photography as well. Oh, really? She's fascinated by yeah. it, yeah. She's, uh, fashion photography, all sorts of... You know, all sorts of things like that. So I think that's quite a nice idea, actually. It's better than going into politics. Um, yeah, show business for ugly people. Yeah, yeah. That's a terrible well, thing to say, Well, having said that, Chukra Muna's on later on, and he's anything but ugly. He's gorgeous. <laughs> he's got the best skin I've ever seen on a man. Really? Mm. No, the best skin I've ever seen on a man was Adamant. Really? For 60. The, I mean, seriously, the best skin I've ever seen. Mm. Even better than mine, but I'm a little bit red, I'm afraid, today. Ah, I got caught in the I sun the I heard you say, yeah. You're going to the, I should lie in the sunshine today? It's beautiful outside. I don't outside. lie in the sunshine. Beautiful look at me. Look outside. Me, for Do I look like a lie in the sunshine? You're no, an if, Adonis. If you, yes, well, bless your heart, and you are too. Or just sort of the female version of an Adonis. <laughs> Whatever that might mean. Whatever that might mean. If Stig Abel was sat here, he would know immediately. He's very clever. He's dressed up today, I've noticed. It, it's actually quite quite a rarity. He's going to edit the sun today. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, right, because the staggering news is that Katie Price is pregnant again. Well, hold me back on that one. Look at him. He's folded his arms now. Anyway, I'm back tomorrow morning from four. You can download the app on LBC. Later on LBC, Larry Lamb is here from 11. But next, it is her. It is Kay Burley and Stig Abel. <laughs> See, they're falling out already. But then at the end of the day, we make up and we smile. You know, because we're professionals. And you're wrong. And it's not Larry Lamb. It's John Stapleton. Today. Oh, is it John Stapleton? Mm. It's John Stapleton. That's another producer we've lost. Because <laughs> John Stapleton is on tomorrow as well. Yeah. It's all yours. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. With me and Stigable this morning. Seven years since Madeleine McCann went missing. We'll talk of the family's spokesman. Uh, also to come. I'm LBC's Theo Usherwood, and I'll be bringing you a roundup of the biggest political stories later. Look forward to that. Um, then after 10, the Shadow Business Secretary, Chuka Amuna, joining us. Do you trust Labour with the, your economy? And a new YouGov poll gives UKIP a 3% lead today as it's claimed that David Cameron is considering taking part in a TV debate with Nigel Farage. What do you think? 0845 6060 973 is the number to call from LBC. I'm Kay Birdie with Stig Abel. All starts next.